I know 2020 has not been a great year for a lot of people. And maybe when COVID first came around, it was kind of unique and we all banded together and we faced it together. But now several months into it and closing in on a year into it, a lot of feelings begin to differ out there. We're seeking to hear different perspectives on this. And today we reached out to Dr. Timothy Ross. How long have you been a doctor for, Dr. Ross? Uh, well, I graduated med school in 2004, finished residency in 2006. So 14 years to, to 16 years, depending on how you count them. And you, uh, you have your own clinic here in the city, I believe, correct? Correct. Yeah, I, I work out of uh, two clinics, but one's my primary so now here's the reason we're talking with you. We've been talking uh, with Dr. Rusin for months now, but we want to talk specifically to you because not only are you a family physician, an MD, but you also happen to be a follower of Jesus, correct? Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, baptized in a Mennonite church when I was 16, and uh, yeah, I'm still churched, and I believe in Jesus and the Bible, yeah. So I'm... Wondering for a Christian perspective, there's been obviously a lot of perspectives the last few months out there. I think the first couple months, we all banded together and had one goal in mind, and now there's a wide variety of opinions out there. Just wondering, as a doctor first and foremost, um, how seriously do you feel we should be taking COVID? Is it just another flu? Oh, absolutely not. No, um, no. so far, uh, COVID's killed over four times as many people as the um as the flu of uh of uh last year um and uh if we look at the the worst flu we've had in the last like 10 years or so uh i think we've i think the covid's killed over twice as many but the thing that a lot of people don't consider is that up to 10 percent of people will have long covid symptoms which is to say that they'll have ongoing um, you know, uh, distress in terms of uh, either difficulty breathing, uh, fatigue, weakness, uh, a variety of, of symptoms for which we really have no other adequate explanation that are new to the patient since having uh, contracted and suffered with coronavirus. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I see this as much uh, more concerning than the flu uh, I certainly have, an, and, and also, unlike the flu, we actually have a, sorry, we have no vaccine for coronavirus. Uh, we have the flu vaccine, uh, which is reasonably effective and uh, keeps my patients from dying, like, so <laughs> at least to the degree that we're seeing with the coronavirus. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't put them in the same category. Uh so as we've been uh, doing this the past few months and the numbers have all of a sudden started to climb rapidly as a physician, what have your thoughts been watching these numbers go up in Manitoba and what do you feel the solutions might be? Well, I've, since, since I've been reading about this in January, February, I, I've known that, you know, eventually it's possible that everybody's going to contract this at some point. Uh, you know, I, I'm not under any illusion that it's going to be a widespread problem. Um, but the, I was in support of early uh, lockdown because of the concern about what we're seeing now. So when you have five to six percent of people who contract this 
being in the ICU and depending on what you're reading, 11, 18% being hospitalized. Uh, and then you read about hospital workers contracting this and getting sick uh, and, and often dying. You know, you worry about, uh, as a family doctor and an occasional worker in the, in the ER, I, I, I don't just worry about myself and my colleagues and my patients, but um, I worry about the whole system. I worry about, you know, five to 6% of 500 people, if that's how many people were to contract it, you know, ending up in the ending up in the ICU. Well, that would be uh, that that would be uh, you know half or uh, more than half our available ICU space, depending on which resources are available and so on. I think people and people hear that and like, well, it's only half, but there's plenty of other people that need access to those ICU beds outside of COVID. Correct. I remember working in Concordia uh, quite a few years ago, and I had a patient who I'd intubated, and I had uh, we're keeping him alive on a, a cocktail of drugs, and um, we needed an ICU space. And I remember uh, we had to send him to Brandon because uh, there was nothing uh, in the city. Uh, now this is, you know, probably eight years ago or so, but uh, you know that's uh, you know at one point I remember we were looking. To, to Saskatchewan, uh, but we had a, a bed open up, and I can't remember if the bed opened up because the person died or because they were <laughs> decanted to a lower uh, acuity ward. But um, the point is that uh, even in a even in a bad even a non-COVID time, we can still be stressed for resources. Uh, not now, you introduce something that can make the the caregiver sick. Uh, just by caring for somebody and uh, and you really stress us, right? Yeah, I've, that's actually been one of the comments we've seen a lot from people saying why we shouldn't have lockdowns, we shouldn't have distancing because every year the ICUs fill up anyways. <laughs> so, but well, we're going to overwhelm yeah. the system is what I'm hearing. If they already fill up, well, then they're going to be overly extended and there is simply no answer then. A lot of the people in ICU who go in there with, uh, you know, with head trauma or with sepsis or with uh, heart attacks, you know, a, a lot of these people are, sh- they'll have a short stay. You know, they'll, they'll only be in there for a few days. They'll declare themselves one way or another. They'll, they'll either die or they'll get better and we can step them down to a lower acuity. Uh, with uh, with COVID, they're not just you know in and out. A lot of these people are are in there for you know weeks at a time, um, and before they declare themselves. So it's uh, it's it's not uh, it's not quite so simple as that. And again, the the comparison to to the flu, we're not seeing the the long term problems like. This can end uh, a career like with uh, with some of the long COVID symptoms that we're seeing. Hmm. Uh, so good insights as a doctor. I'm wondering now as a Christian and a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. what do you think as the church, the body of Christ in Manitoba, how should we be responding to this uh, right now? I think as with all things, Christians should be responding with love. Uh, that's the the first thing that we're called to. That's uh, without that, uh, you know, we're really just muck on the bottom of the shoe. Like we're not 
we're not uh, fulfilling the Great Commission. We're not, um, you know, we're a noisy, clanging bell. You know, there's so the first thing we should do is is respond in love to care for our neighbors, to care for people who um, are vulnerable or people who can't work because of of this. Um, we should be helping out our, our neighbors, donating to Salome. Mi- well, I don't donate to Salome Mission, but or MCC or whatever your favorite charity is. Like that's that's the first way we we should respond. Um, and the next thing we should respond is to um, secure the vulnerable, secure the frail and elderly, and and secure people who are um, are in danger of this thing. Now, whether that means when you do your shopping for yourself, you know, grabbing some stuff for your neighbor so that they don't have to leave the house and and be um, and be in contact and and possibly you know get this and spread it. Um, a lot of controversies are risen around uh, churches, and uh, I'm, I was I was very pleased to see my pastor uh, at Oasis uh, take the sensible measure to move to virtual, even though they were already following all of the provincial, um, you know, guidelines and, and regulations, and, and even more so. But um, I believe they made a very wise choice when they went to uh, virtual services. Uh, I know a number of other churches did too. And uh, I really commend that uh, leadership because uh, it's it's not always easy to do to take something that you've done you know that's integral to you and who you are is leading a worship service and 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 being there for other people uh, to to move that online you know. I find uh, Christ, or pardon me, pastors, like you think politicians are in a tough spot right now. They can't win no matter what they choose. Half the population's mad at them. That's been the case for pastors as well, whether they choose in person or online. <laughs> There's going to be half the congregation upset with them no matter what they choose. And they're just trying to do their best as leaders and yep. following after Jesus. And again, we go back to what I was saying initially, right? The the congregation has to respond in love. Mm-hmm. They have to respond exactly as you said, to say, you know, Pastor, this isn't an easy choice for you. I appreciate you. How can I make your life better? Uh, like if we're not responding that way to the people who have been there for us, who are leading us, who are doing their very best, um, then, uh, you know, they, they have to kind of go back and reflect on who they believe in and why. Uh, so very safe to say you appreciate a churches moving to online for the time being until this passes. I, I think a lot of people, I've noticed a lot of people, they're fearful or they're angry, feeling that there's government overreach, I guess, in dictating what churches mm-hmm. can or cannot do. You know, uh, that's fair. I, I understand that. I'm... Um... <clears throat> I'm not, uh, I won't get into my own politics on this, but um, I do, um, I probably use the term government overreach once a week or so. Um, this is, uh, this is different. This is different. Uh, if, um, if we don't uh, respond to our communities in love and, and in, uh, in all pulling together to, to one uh, direction, to one uh, mission, uh, to, defeating the coronavirus to keeping it from claiming the lives of the people that we love, the vulnerable and the elderly, like uh, to, to keep it from, you know, making our, our friends and neighbors sick. If we don't pull together to do this, uh, then uh, it's 
going to get away from us and our, our churches are going to be emptier. Like your, your, your church has a lot of people who, um, who, if they were hit by this would be sick. And we know, we know churches are super spreader, uh, places. Like there's a lot of good things that the church does hundred percent agree with that statement. A lot of good things, but they are also places where people can spread an infection and kill a lot of people. Um, so, although, yeah, I believe in freedom of religion, uh, but you can you can have a lot of caveats on the way that you on the the way that you worship and um, praying. Like, if God hears our thoughts and can hear and can see our hearts and knows our motives, then is it that important that we, you know, get together in a building where we can shout it and sing it at each other? and spewing droplets of a deadly disease all over the place. Uh, so, I, I, as I said, I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, um, but uh, what uh, what Dr. Rusin's trying to do here, I, I think he should be given a fair bit of latitude uh, to try to control this thing. Uh, ha, um, one of the key things he keeps saying, Dr. Rusin, over and over again, is this won't be forever. This is for a short time. Do you believe mm-hmm. that? Do you see hope on yep. the horizon? Like if uh, there's a lot of ifs to that uh, question, right? Uh, I see hope with a vaccine. I, I, I'm very hopeful of a vaccine. We have uh, some very, uh, we have like between the, the, the World Health Organization, between Health Canada, um, a lot of um, pharma companies and uh, a lot of uh, smaller, uh, you know, kind of more private uh, technology companies working on, on providing a vaccine. Uh, I have no no doubt that we'll have something that will be able to at least dampen the force of this. Um, having said that, in the short term, like until that happens, Brent's absolutely correct. If we limit our gatherings, if we don't uh, go out when we're sick, you know, if we pay attention to uh, public health missives, then absolutely we can cut this right down. We can go back to you know, uh, zero, one, two, three cases a day if we do what's needed for a short period of time, two to four weeks. And I'm, I'm no stranger to quarantine. I um, I landed uh, from England the day before, um, on, on March 14th. So the day after that, I was instructed I had to quarantine for two weeks. So that's what I did. And my neighbors bought me groceries, so I nice. didn't have to go out. So, <laughs> that's great. That, that's a community, right? We're pulling together. Uh, one of the things, now you mentioned the vaccine, and I know a lot of our audience, they're distrustful of vaccines. You find hope in Christ, but you also find hope in vaccines. How do you reconcile the two personally? Very easily. Uh, I mean, look, my... I've, I've, in addition, I, I've got 12 years of post-secondary education, including a master's degree in biochemistry. Uh, I have a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I know what I've studied. I know what I believe. Uh, there's no, uh, it, it, it's like, how do you reconcile, you know, what you see with, uh, with uh, science or how do you, rec- like, I can easily reconcile them because, they're just two plates on a on a big table of of you know of this uh, world that we're in. Uh, so 
I can easily reconcile vaccines just as something that has been an amazing invention, has saved millions, possibly billions of lives over the years. Uh, we've been able to wipe out crippling disorders like polio and uh, measles, like things that have just you know thwarted uh, our ability to thrive as a society. Um, and uh, there's no, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, kind of theories about vaccines that have no basis in reality, uh, mind you. Uh, mind you, one could challenge my faith, right? One could say, well, show me Jesus, show me God. And I'm like, well, he's in our hearts. And like, well, that's what a Christian yeah. would say. I'm like, okay, well, that's because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, you know, like, but I mean, we believe in things that are unseen, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole basis of our faith is we believe in some, in, in a God that we can't see. We believe in a, in a Jesus with a story that to any non-Christian sounds ridiculous. Um, but, you know, this is, but again, that's the whole nature of faith is believing in something that you can't see. Um, so I, I understand that uh, a lot of Christians believe in, um, you know, a number of uh, what we call conspiracy theories, uh, because again, we're, we're already primed to believe in something that we, we can't see. Uh, so something that is unprovable, but makes sense to our existence uh, is something that we'll buy into, uh, especially when the um, when the counter argument is so complicated. I mean, vaccines are not a simple thing; they're they're complicated. The way that we come by, otherwise, you know, we would have coughed one up for coronavirus, you know, three months ago. But they, this is not a, a an easy science. Uh, it's a complicated one, and it's it's much easier to believe in uh, you know conspiracy theories or you know that. Uh, uh, something that's unfounded but uh appeals to our uh our desire for instant gratification for an easy solution mm -hmm. um how about this how do we pray for people like dr brent rusin and uh people making decisions in this province then as the body of christ Again, uh, I, I hate. I, I shouldn't be. You know, I, I know I sound like I'm banging the same drum, but um, we pray for. Uh, we pray out of love, right? We we pray for them to have the the, the hearts. Uh, sorry, we pray that they'll have the health and the lives of the people that um, in their minds when they're making decisions, right? We pray that they are working towards the greater good of society and not. Um, you know, for political or other aspirations. Um, you know, we we pray that um, uh, that our own uh, lives will you know reflect uh, love and will reflect re sorry reflect kindness and ger generous. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words a little bit. We pray that our own lives will reflect generosity of spirit, kindness, love, uh, all those fruits of the spirit, um, and that. Uh, and that those will be kind of reflected in, in the decisions that are made up top. You mentioned fruit of the spirit. That's one thing that's just been going through my mind, actually, the last couple of weeks as we wade through all of this and comments online and Christians becoming divided is I'm like, just thinking to myself, like, where is the fruit? What fruit are we showing the rest of the world while we're arguing with each other and calling each other names right now? It's it's really upsetting. Um, I look at some politics, and I, I would regard myself as a somewhat of a conservative kind of guy, but um, I look at the way that a lot of Christians treat um, 
each other, the way that they treat people that they disagree with, the people that uh, people that they don't know, right? And uh, and I, I'm I'm pretty sad. It's like you know, uh, not only is there no reason or call for that kind of you know attitude or behavior, but you're called to something so much higher than petty name calling on the internet. Like you're called to make the world a better place. And, you know, with, with that comment or with that, uh, with that share or with that uh, click, and, and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching. Don't take this as a place from, I've, you know, I'm the higher you know, authority. Not at all. I, every once in a while I look and I just like, geez, I, I, I like that cringe, you know, like I'm always <laughs> learning to, if you're not, if you're not cringing at yourself, at your 10 years ago self, you haven't grown. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just just so this I, I, uh, I, past <laughs> weekend, I pulled out a sermon of mine from 10 years ago and cringed reading that. So <laughs> good, good. You've grown. <laughs> exactly. Right? Now you're a, you're a better person today than you were 10 years ago. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Ross, thank you so much. Was there anything else you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say yet that you want people to know as a Christian and a doctor? There's a lot of Christians in, um, in medicine, in science. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are out there. And um, we are, for the most part, of one mind. We want to save lives. We want to make people's lives better. And... We think that uh, by, yeah, and I hate to say by, but I I hate to say this, but I I believe that if we can take our communities online for just a few weeks more till the numbers are down, uh, we can save a lot of lives and uh, we can also keep our families from getting sick. And I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone in this. It was a long conversation, but a good conversation to hear Dr. Ross's perspective. Uh, Just a note, after our 30-minute phone call almost, he sent me an email, hi Mike, a note that we didn't reference masks and PPE, which we could have another whole conversation about. But FYI, I am pro-mask. He says that how we show love to others includes wearing a mask. You know, throughout that, Dr. Ross referenced 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's uh, speech on love. Love is patient, love is kind. And he said, if we don't act in love, we're just a clanging gong, right? And at the end of that passage, Paul says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Thanks again to Dr. Timothy Ross. Lord, I pray that everything I do and say today may be done out of a place of genuine love for you. And that means everything I do and say in real life and online. Amen.